Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversation. Today's podcast is part of the Power of Women Festival in Thanet and is going out live on International Women's Day 2023. Still trying to accept that it's 2023 and we're nearly in March. This year's Power Festival theme is joy and celebration and we're going to be getting stuck into that today with Emma Dabry. I've, I've watched and watched videos of you talking about how you say it, and now I've confused myself. Debris. No, you said it perfectly. Oh, I was shit. like, wow, you still my beating heart. I get so excited when people say it properly. I've written it in some, I'm dyslexic, so my, my notes are always really colorful and then like loads of phonetically spelt stuff. And I should have just backed myself on that. Debris. Perfect. <laughs> Emma is an Irish Nigerian academic broadcaster and best-selling author. She is the author of two highly acclaimed books and has fronted numerous documentaries, including Hair Power, which won the Cannes Silver Lion. She co-presents Britain's Lost Masterpieces on BBC4 and has appeared on Newsnight, Have I Got News For You, as well as hosting BBC Radio 4's Saturday Night Review. She also recently has been on University Challenge, which I saw. How was that? Yeah, we proudly lost. Um, yeah, it was... It was it was good. It was yeah. It was it was good fun. It was like more stressful than I had anticipated being it being, but um yeah, definitely like an iconic show. So good to good to be a part of it. Yeah, it is iconic. But just I've I've historically watched. I haven't watched it, you know, as a legit adult, which I am now. But I mm-hmm. just always remember thinking it was so challenging. But you answered some questions. So I only watched a snippet on your Instagram, but you managed to get some in there. Yeah, I got to, like, do you know what, when I watched it back, I was just like, oh, we actually did better than I felt like we had done. Um, so, yeah. Is it all quite serious when you're there? Uh, yeah, it just feels, it just feels like a little bit like, I, I felt like under pressure, yeah. And then I was also like the captain as well. So I had this added layer of, of responsibility. So, yeah, I, I, I felt the pressure for sure. But I mean, as per your your spiel, you are an academic. I think that's so cool to be an academic somehow. <laughs> yeah, but I quite like like conceptual. I like like kind of conceptual things and kind of like long meandering answers, not just rapid fire. This happened that day. This is the name. Da, 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 da. Like that's not to me. That's not even like a marker of education or intelligence necessarily. Like it's one way of kind of I guess trying to gauge those things. But um, yeah, I find that kind of environment like a little bit stressful. It's so true, actually. I've never really pieced together that like to be at university and an academic is to think about things in a very long form and long, you know, lots of research and consideration, which is the exact opposite of a quick fire question, isn't it? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, some people's brains are really good at that, um, you know, at that quick fire, maybe. Yeah. But I'm not. Yeah, you know, there's people that can just like retain in retain facts, and just like regurgitate them. But that's like a different, yeah. Like that's that's what school. Certainly, going to school in Ireland, that's what education was about. It was like, can you retain these facts, and then can you repeat them? You know, you didn't yeah. do much in the way of, of critical <laughs> critical thinking. I was I'm wondering if that's quite gendered, but I wouldn't I wouldn't even know. But I I feel like yeah, that isn't how I. I retain information anyway complete probably is quite gendered do you yeah Yeah. I'm just basing that like it's not that's not something I've like researched or studied myself but I'm making an informed guess and I'm thinking that it probably is quite it probably is quite gendered and probably like reflects something that is yeah I don't know but then yeah I don't know No, question. no, I, I think so too. I'm just thinking how I know that, yeah, literally a straw poll of, of how I know that a lot of guys would spar intellectually, which is like throwing facts at each other and, and yeah, girls tend to tear it apart. Anyway, all by the by, I'm not, we weren't here to talk about University Challenge. I just, it's funny that it still did that thing to me where I was like, oh, that's exciting. But we're here to talk about joy, which is a very interesting subject. And I'm going to drop in that it's my birthday today. My forty first. Happy birthday! Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm, well. I'm always actually deeply reflective on my birthday. I'm one of them. I'm deeply reflective at every point. But um, everyone's like, "What are you doing?" And I've I'm not going to make this about me, but I've you know I now know at forty one what brings me joy is a bit of fresh air, 
bit of exercise, some nice food, uh, getting some jobs done and an early night. And actually, that is what brings me joy. But it's so different to what the 30 year old me would have said. Oh, my God. Like, literally, we are just like reading from like exactly the same page. Like, that's absolutely me to a T. And I could never have imagined that that would ever be me to a T. I'm ringing. My phone's ringing. My mum's trying to ring me. Sorry, mum. Not now. Oh, jeez. (laughs) <laughs> no, she wants to talk about my birthday no you do you feel the same then oh yeah absolutely so like I just know that like the things that the things that like make me feel like best are yeah like fresh air being outside in nature probably being in like some very cold water at some point um and like meditating <laughs> like that's what makes me feel that's what makes me feel good. And that is just like very, very far from like, yeah, how I was in like my 20s or 30s, you know, like, so yeah, I can't believe I've kind of turned into that person. But maybe there's just like, I think like it happens as you age. And I also think there's like a been a big cultural shift because you're saying a similar thing. I'm saying it and it seems to mm. be like across the board, like a lot of people I know have kind of like their lives have like transformed in that way you know and I I don't think it's just getting I don't think it's necessarily just getting older because I look at like my parents generation and they weren't necessarily like getting into like walking and like cold sea swimming and like meditation and stuff like that so yeah no no it's so true yeah do you know what I have always put it down to aging and I guess the only bit that is aging is is learning to know yourself and 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 maybe be able to translate that into your lives but I was also wondering on the topic of joy whether a lot of what I liked earlier in my life was just inherited ideas of joy rather than what my own versions of joy were yeah potentially and I also think like we we live in a a society that um kind of doesn't really allow us the time or the space to kind of like invest in things that are perceived as time consuming. Um, So a lot of what we are taught will make us happy or is joyful are things that are um, kind of instant gratification that you kind of squeeze into like short, that you pay money to do and you squeeze into short periods of time. Um, And our our society is, is, is kind of like designed designed in that way you know so I think when you're younger and like I say I think there is also like a cultural shift that people are like questioning um things more than they were like maybe in the 90s or 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 or, or, or the noughties even um so I think yeah there's this kind of acknowledgement that this kind of short-term like instantaneous or short-term mm-hmm. gratification might feel good in the moment but might might be like ultimately you know not even making you feel good, but actually being like quite damaging and this kind of recognition that things that really do bring bring kind of peace and joy, which I see as inherently connected, um, are things that are more, often more like they're practices, you know, and they're things that require you to have the time and space to be able to practice them. I think you're so right. I think that is, yeah. And also it's interesting you say peace, but it, they are quite quiet for me anyway on the things that we're describing that we both like are often quite quiet things and if we've mm-hmm. for a while been very obsessed with outside appearances and what is a in, an instagrammable moment and in something that has bragging rights and shouting rights you know the, the bits that and look yeah living by the coast you can take a picture and it does encapsulate that feeling and it is a showy moment but actually most of the bits that bring me joy are so not worth shouting about that that's what makes them Mm -hmm. so precious maybe yeah I think I think the thing that like fundamentally like gives me like the most peace and therefore allows my like capacity to experience joy is meditating and meditating isn't very like instagrammable you know I'm always I've always wanted to be a person that meditates and I just I have phases where I've been all right but I for some reason it's a real blocker do you have you actively practiced it and got better at it so yeah like I don't think there is such a thing as like that person because I was really like oh I'm like I just can't do it it's not for me I can't do it and I never had much 
I don't want to frame it in terms of success, but that's how I viewed it. I never had like success in meditating. And then I started about 10 years ago doing transcend, transcend, transcendental meditation. And that um, removes um, the, basically it's not you have to empty your mind. You actually are, are given a mantra that's kind of like divined for you. That I think it's like a, it's like a sound or like a, I think they're often Sanskrit words. Um, I haven't actually like looked into like what my mantra is or anything. It's just, it's like divine for you. You were told it, you're not able to tell anyone else what it is. Um, and then in the meditations, you just repeat that word, that mantra in your head, eyes closed for like 20 minutes. Um, and so other thoughts come in, but you just go back to the mantra. And so you've always got the mantra there as that anchor. And is it a daily practice for you? Um, you're meant to, like, for optimal kind of, like, effect, it should be, like, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. Mm. I don't think I've ever really been in a place where I've done it, where I've done it, like, twice a day. Mm. But um, I regularly will do the morning one. I haven't done it now for about a week, actually, and I can really feel, I can really feel the difference. Because like I say, I think there's, there's a lot of scientific like evidence to um, kind of corroborate like a lot of the benefits from it. Um, but to be honest, like I haven't researched, re I've, I've kind of heard it all, but I haven't really retained the information. I just know that like on a like real, like it on in terms of like the impact, like it has on me, I feel like infinite I just feel like massively better so that's mm. kind of all the evidence that I need <laughs> yeah oh, and I wonder whether it becomes more urgent in the in the urgent's an extreme word but um because <laughs> our lives are busier I'm, I'm always infinitely aware that unless you actively put it in all our opportunities for thinking and stillness are slowly slowly taken away from us if I'm on a train I'll try and do my shopping as well if I'm taking a walk I'll listen to a podcast as well you know that so w when there is less stillness in our lives than there ever was so is the need to try and like ring fence some space for it yeah totally because we're bombarded with like constant stimulation and constant like demands on our time and it's like completely incessant like it, it it's just it's incessant like it's maddening so yeah I think in the cultural moment that we live in these types of practices are like so 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 necessary because there is such little space for stillness or peace and um i, I like i think that it, it it your brain is in a state that it isn't really in in any other through any other it isn't really ever it isn't really ever else in. So it's different to sleeping and it's obviously different to being awake and to being like, you know, kindly, highly stimulated by external, um, by external forces. Like it's very internal. Yeah, I think it's really important that we, that we have like um, internal mechanisms for achieving, um, for achieving peace and joy that is not always like reliant on on the external because we're very vulnerable when it is yeah so true they just become cruel for me they become crutches quite quickly i also heard you mention earlier that you've been cold water swimming are you genuinely the person again i found myself on a whatsapp group for cold water swimming oh and i want again i, I really have think that i'm going to be that person i think i will be in june but i can't quite do it now <laughs> well, the thing is like if someone doesn't know me and they're like, oh, but she's just one of those kind of people. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, cause there are kind of people who are just those yeah, kind of people. Like I'm so not one of those kind of people. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like when I, if I think about me, like until very recently, like imagining the things that like, you know, the kind of, um, let me just call them self-care, <laughs> like yeah. techniques that I practice now. I just couldn't, I couldn't have imagined it. Like I hated, I hated, hated, hated being cold. <laughs> I don't think most people like enjoy being cold, but I had like a pathological, like fear, hatred of being cold. Like I absolutely detested it. And I had quite bad circulation. And I say had bad circulation because actually the exposure to the cold water seems to have really improved my circulation. Like I don't actually, because I have this thing called Raynard syndrome where like the blood doesn't, 
the circulation in like your fingers and toes is not great. So they just go blue and you can't move them and it's like really painful. But since I've been regularly like exposing myself to cold temperatures, that seems to have improved massively. Um, so yeah. Well, if I, I, but my point is if I can do it, like literally anyone can do it. Oh, I had to build up to it. Then. I started with cold showers. <laughs> And do you, yeah, everyone says to me, oh, what you need to do is start in the summer and then and then not stop. That, no, yeah. I started on New Year's Day. <laughs> Did you? Like a, not this New Year's Day, the one before. I started with a wetsuit, though, to be fair. I got in with a wetsuit because I was just like, there's no way I can do this. But after twice with the wetsuit, I never wore a wetsuit again. And do you, I, I think someone told me you should do like a minute for every Celsius or something. And then and they said, if you feel, sun, if you start feeling warm, that's actually really bad and you need to get out. Do you, do you <laughs> <laughs> that means you're hypothermic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe. Like, it's, one, it's again, another one of those things that like, there's lots of different like ways of doing it. And then like a minute with the Celsius, to me, that just feels, for me personally, I'm not advocating for anyone else, that just feels like more responsibility. Like, I actually just don't want to, like, think. I just want to, like, do it and just not have another thing, like, weighing on my mind about, like, yeah. am I doing this right? Or am I getting, am I fucking it up? Like, no, I just want to get in and get do out. it. <laughs> it's a purity, <laughs> isn't it? That's the thing. I think there are those moments in life, I, mean, I sound like a real spiritual woo-woo person, but when you feel, like, really connected with something that people will have been doing since the beginning of time you know it's not this isn't a new discovery get dunking yourself in cold water people have been doing it forever and I kind of love those moments yeah 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 yeah. I think like a lot of things that um we see now as these like incredible like these like well-being like self-care things that are kind of out of the seem kind of like out of the ordinary are things that like you know people however long ago would have just done um as a very kind of everyday part of life I don't know about the history of I don't know about the history of cold swimming though um I don't know about people getting into very cold water historically I mean I assume they did depending on what part of the world they were in yeah. but like yeah I don't know but it's always, I always feel amused when I hear everyone talking about hiking now and as a kid I was like you know you're just dragged on long walks it wasn't called hiking <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, when I, does it, yeah yeah, I hated walking when I was a kid. Like, I hated being outside. I hated being outside, like, in nature. I like being outside, like, on the street, like, you know, like, with my friends um, or just, like, in town, like, I'm from Dublin or being in town or whatever. But, like, the idea of being, like, out in the countryside, like, Ireland is so, like, just, like, insanely beautiful. When I was a teenager, I'd be like, why do, Why would I want to go and, like, look at bogs, like, no. And that, but that's just being disconnected you know that's being like disconnected from from the world of which you're a part and I think when you start to like reforge those connections you really crave being in nature because like we're part of it yeah that's so true but I definitely inflict it on my kids I was like, just look at it look at it and we don't care. We don't care. But you know I don't know you're, I don't know when that transition happens where you suddenly yeah appreciate the the physical world around you I think actually it was a very small perk of of COVID when to be honest when those walks were the only thing that you had in the day you suddenly start opening your eyes a bit more I was living in London fields and like I couldn't drive and so London fields was just like the only (laughs) outdoor space that I saw and I was just like, I'm actually going to get mad. Mm. Like, I never want to see that park again. No, I was living in Peckham <laughs> and exactly the same. Uh, yeah, exactly the same. It, it, I think the the pandemic really made you realise that space is, is really such a luxury. Because I talk to people now who were not living in like, a city at the time and their experience was so significantly different. I know. Some people actually sound like they had like a good time. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, it, it was really, it was really, it was really miserable. But then for a time, they even I remember they shut Brockwell Park for a little bit. I mean, that's just yeah. Anyway, it's not very positive. But even Brockwell Park sounds like amazing compared to that little scrubby 
square of London feels. <laughs> I know, it's only, I, I want to go... a bit of park, actually. I got um actually trapped in uh in Peckham Rye. They gated it at night and then it was me and another person stuck in there and we're in this real quandary because you weren't meant to touch people, obviously, at that time, but the only way we could well, I could probably get hours a bit more physically able. I was like, if you're okay with me touching you, I'll push you out. <laughs> but it will, it won't adhere to the two meter rule. She chose for me to push her out. We we risked like it. a moral haze conundrum. <laughs> I'm glad you both escaped. <laughs> Hold your breath, and I'll try and push you over Peckham Rye Park. Um, <laughs> funny old times. So this. Part of the POW um, festival is talking about femaleness and joy and what what joy you derive from being a woman, which is a bit of a thinker. Where do you land on, on that? How is, is your femaleness, female identity and, and joy related? Gosh. <laughs> I know. Jesus. <laughs> I don't sometimes like see gender as this like super organising principle. Um so like I don't I don't know how I can speak to like I can speak to my joy as like an embodied like being but I don't know how it relates like specifically to like being a woman um yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah I I I reached a similar conclusion and the the place that I ended up was that the a huge joy I get is from other women and is and is from my connection with other women and is that because they're women? I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was I was flummoxed. But there's always this thing. It's like, do I feel like a woman or do I feel like me? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, even, like, I don't, like, I feel like my, this is what I'm, like, so I feel like my connection and I feel like this isn't like the expected answer. And there's like an answer that is way more like the answer one is expected, yeah, is expected to give. But like, I will feel the joy from like connection with another person who might be a woman, but it might just as equally be a man. Like, I just, that's what I'm saying. Like a gender mm. has never felt like that, like kind of um, like like that, or, that, that organizing principle that's of like the kind of utmost like, that defines what my um relationship to somebody will be and I feel like I've always had like I've always had lots of I've my friends have always been of like both of like both genders yeah and it's very much like based on like the individual person rather than if they're a man or a woman mm. Yeah, I completely relate to that. I was, I was being amused to myself that I was often called a tomboy growing up, and 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 then at one point you'd be say, "Oh, you're so emotional," but oh, you're a tomboy because you like getting stuck into stuff. It's like, well, this is it. I'm I'm all and everything of those. Yes, I am extremely tuned into my emotions, and yes, I do like climbing trees to use a cliche, but I, I like a bit of DIY. And so you're right. If I'm both those things, of course, my connection to other humans is is yeah isn't linked to gender and, and the way some of those things are like meant to be women's things or some, yeah. some are meant to be men's things as opposed to just like things that you are into and that you like or don't like kind of irrespective irrespective of your gender I don't know like I'm like a super I'm like a super femme person like my presentation for most of my life has been mm. like very like almost like theatrically like feminine and I feel like that's read as um I guess that's obviously like read as female and it's also read as um I guess the expectations or assumptions I'm a little bit sporty today because I was working out I actually just was too hot I took my jumper off and I was like oh god I don't really want to be wearing this like workout shirt on the screen but here we are um but I feel like the assumptions when that is how somebody expresses themselves are that they are shallow and superficial and um, it's not a form of presentation that is um, associated with being intellectual or being cerebral or like being thoughtful. And I'm like, well, I am all of those things. And I'm also like super femme and there shouldn't be like a, 
there shouldn't be a contradiction. But yeah, I guess that because that's read as such a like female thing, it's like held in um it's held in disregard mm. by not just by men. Actually, I feel like it's held in disregard by people. Oh, it's interesting because I was look, looking through your feed and I was like, oh, she's doing all the fashion stuff and she's doing the academic stuff, which which shouldn't be a surprise that, that you can be doing both. But that but they are often put in opposition to each other, that you can really want to present yourself because fashion, fashion is really fun. Dressing <laughs> in beautiful clothes is really, really fun. But that, yeah, that doesn't sit in opposition or in any other way to what's going on in your mind. And... But but yeah, they are often yeah put in opposition to each other. It is really interesting, isn't it? And the presenting mm-hmm. about about presenting female, you could, you you really can't win. <laughs> like I I can like pink, and also like and my hands dirty. It's like oh my god, I'm obsessed with pink. I'm so <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's how I feel. I had Laura Dockrell <laughs> on the podcast. I used to always ask people what their favorite color was actually, and it's an opening question. Yeah. And I said. She said her favorite color is sequins, which is a great answer. That's and I, an amazing answer. <laughs> I feel so strongly about the color of pink that it's almost weird. <laughs> it's not weird. You can't feel too strongly about pink. I'm obsessed. Like I'm actually obsessed with pink. Like um, my room is red. Oh, yeah, it's too messy to show you, but like, there's a lot of pink in this room. I have a lot of pink. Pink yeah, it's, I don't know. It's such a. Um, I feel like it's such a like bold and vivacious and exciting color. Like it just really like lifts my mood and makes me feel like quite stimulated and excited. And do you know about the history of pink? Do you know about it being like initially like red as male? No, tell me. Blue being female. Oh my God. So yeah, when I was like studying like discourse analysis and we were looking at like advertising, this is when I like, this is when I learned that. And it was talking about like the role that advertising plays in what we just assume to be these natural, universal, like kind of foundational beliefs. But blue was traditionally associated with girls um, because it was perceived as gentle and relaxing, calming. Pink was associated with boys because it was like loud and bold and like, you know, like in your face. And then there was an advertising campaign. I can't remember what the reasons were, but for some reason they reversed it. And that was the beginning of the association of it being the other way around. And then that just continued. And so we're just like, oh yeah, pink is girly and blue is for boys. But um, yeah, it was the opposite before that. I feel like I need to... um clue up on pink a bit more than I can then I can really go for it although depressing I'm in the middle of this big house renovation and I've tried to get pink in and it's it just hasn't worked that well with my interiors and it saddens me a bit maybe you can just have little accents of pink yeah I've also I mean I'm just going to talk you through my worries now I'm I'm just painting my kitchen and I've gone for these really sludgy colors and I'm painting one bit and it can only be described as kind of horse manure kind of brownie green which I know why I'm doing it because it feels calming and natural but it does look like horse manure and I don't know what to do about it any advice I'm sure it's, I'm, I'm sure it's lovely I'm sure it's like very soothing and yeah I'm sure I'm sure it works I love a I love a kind of a done is oh, maybe done is the Irish for brown yeah I love a brown yeah Okay, and I think I'm trying to turn this into some kind of intelligent conversation. When I when I started out decorating the house, someone said to me, M- "Make sure you know what it is you want the house to feel like." And I said this to someone the other day, and they're like, "Oh, I just want my house to feel happy, and I just want my house to feel calm." That is, and that is the, and actually to go back to the topic of joy, that is the thing that is my North Star, is calmness in trying to get that into all parts of my life. And it's quite interesting in this in, in the, the world of Instagram where you can have access to all these other people's ideas and, you know, somebody's house looks like this and this is on trend here. To keep going, you know, how do I want it to feel is such a um, mm-hmm. useful parameter. Yeah, totally. I actually like a lot of paint just arrived at my house today. I'm about to... The only room that's been painted is like this room and one of the rooms downstairs. Um, so we're about to paint like 
everywhere else but for my bedroom I've actually gone for like this blue maybe I oh, I was going to show you the color wheel but I think it's downstairs um but in the same way that like this I oh, know this room is different actually but like everything's going to be everything's going to be this blue like the roof's going to be blue the door the windows like everything so that it's not broken up in like any way so it creates this like almost like you're not submerged but like like a I don't know I don't want to say like a water bug because that kind of sounds like drowning (laughs) (laughs) um but like what what's that thing your your circadian rhythm Mm -hmm. circadian rhythm is that how do you say it yeah circadian circadian rhythm yeah um, so apparently the room that this not the room the color really like works in synchronicity with that so yeah my guiding principle was calmness really and have you oh, yeah. in in the way that you're doing the rest of your home is 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 there a kind of feeling that you're going for or is it just more instinct led than that uh, I think different vibes in like different in different rooms um, but similarly to what you were saying I'm surprised that there's no pink, there's no pink walls. And actually I was kind of determined, not determined, but I was just like, well, obviously my bedroom is going to be pink. Mm. And then when I was doing like the color consultation and really like thinking about it deeply and like in conversation about it, I was just like, no, it's actually, oh yeah. Like that traditional concept of blue, like when blue was seen as more feminine because it was like soothing and calm and relaxing um not that I was reading it in a gendered way but we were just like yeah that's like the vibe that the room has to be it has to be blue um but yeah it feels weird that I don't have any pink rooms or won't have pink rooms but I'll have lots of pink in other things yeah my rug's (laughs) gonna be pink (laughs) yeah you can we can always add pink back in in other ways but it's yeah, I guess these are all kind of the journeys that you go on. Increasingly, I keep doing this house and it just doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. But but I'm trusting the process of of where I'm at now. And in London, I, our house was a bit more, yeah, a bit more punchy, a bit more graphic colours, a bit more monochrome. And, and yeah, this this home and where I'm at now hasn't led, led itself to that, which is just all this evolution that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you got to go with like, um, sometimes like your predetermined um, ideas, like are just not what it's meant to be. So you just kind of, yeah. Have to evolve. evolve with the flow of things. Mm. Going back onto the subject that I'm supposed to be talking to you about. I just right, literally yeah. used you as my therapy session. And <laughs> my husband will be glad because I am going to do what I normally do, which is repeatedly talk to him about the colours in the kitchen that I'm worried about until I bore myself. <laughs> has there been moments in your life where you feel like joy has been compromised and and how has that looked so I actually think my base setting is quite is quite joyful like I think I'm quite like a joyful person like as just my disposition however yeah that's not that's like so that's there but sometimes like very much like in spite of my circumstances and I guess like as I've gotten older and like you know become an adult and become an adult and gotten older and then have like autonomy more autonomy and like control over like creating like my own life um I feel that it's not enough to rely on even if you have a tendency towards like happiness or like joyfulness um you actually need to and I think actually maybe particularly if you don't even if you don't have that it's really important that you like cultivate um joy that you, you you cultivate joyfulness so that you I think there are def I don't think it's like the human I don't think it's like the human condition that you would have to cultivate it. I think that's not it at all. But I think because of the nature of the society that we live in, I think maybe you have to like consciously um, make room and make space for like cultivating joy and looking after yourself and um, working practices that make you relaxed and um, calm and joyful into your life because I think unless you're in the culture in the society that we live in unless you're consciously 
kind of making um consciously and intentionally you know making space for that it's it can be it can be hard to to access because there's just so many like competing there's just so many like competing demands yeah as you're talking I'm thinking as well often we are um striving for happiness mm-hmm. and I, I was trying to weigh up in my head what happiness and joy looks like and I feel like almost you use the word cultivating you can't kind of for me you can't like buy joy or you can't there's no thing that you can suddenly get off a shelf to achieve joy it's something that happens because of the environment that you're in I think that is what's so magic about it as opposed to an idea of happiness might be you know you've got on this this is terrible top line you've gone a holiday wear an outfit do this thing whereas joy is it sits in the gaps yeah maybe joy is like kind of like more like spontaneous and um also like I feel oh, that was kind of yeah I feel like with happiness um we we also have been kind of trained to, to, to believe in this idea of like happiness as this like state to be in that is like consistent as opposed to like we like life is made up of like kind of balances of things. So the idea that we could achieve, you know, happiness as a constant state isn't even something that's like particularly like aspirational. Like we need to have, um, I guess we need to acknowledge like the importance of, of balance and certainly to like, you know, cultivate happiness, but not to have the expectation that happiness is a state that we're going to be like constantly in. I think if we were constantly in that state, we wouldn't even identify it maybe as happiness um yeah yeah I think you're right I mean happiness is a as a constant is a is a falsehood isn't it there's no there's no single moment in my life where you know even the the the, the pinnacles like having my giving birth to my children obviously incredible moments but filled with so many difficult feelings in amongst that that moment of, of happiness so it yeah it's such a, exactly. a false but whereas I think maybe joy, like that moment in the sea that you're talking about, if it come, if if I think for me the moments that are joyful is because they do kind of wipe the slate clean, even from even momentarily. But if you mm-hmm. do get out of the sea or you get that lovely feeling when the sun, you know, when you're totally bathed in the sun, and it and for a second everything else is insignificant. That is what joy is, maybe. Yeah, potentially. I think I think it's probably like um lots of different yeah, lots lots of different things. I think like one of the ways that I can probably like most easily tap into what I would identify as joy would be like through like through music. Yeah, I find like music um I find it so weird when I meet people that like I mean no judgment because everyone is made differently so each to their own but I can't imagine like sometimes I meet people who aren't really into music and I'm just like wow <laughs> like, that's crazy to me um but I'm kind of unhinged. how can that when be I, listen to music, I don't know but there are people like that but then again like I don't understand football um <laughs> and it moves me in like no way whatsoever and then lots of people are like incredibly moved by it and invested in it so everyone's different you know um so yeah yeah but I feel like I mean I don't know again I, I don't know about football enough to know but I feel like so everyone maybe just hasn't heard en- enough different music surely it's it's so um universal maybe it's not yeah it, it, it does it's a bit quite quite disconcerting if you hear something if you say to someone do you like music no I'm not really bothered oh gosh <laughs> Sure. So it's not like I've met that many people that are just like, oh yeah, I fucking hate music. But it's more <laughs> like, just like they're just not really that into it. Like they just don't really care. Whereas like if I listen to music, like I actually can't. If I'm talking to somebody and there's like a song on that I like, even if it's a song that I've like heard my whole life, like I find it like like I actually can't really concentrate on what the person is saying. And I also don't know how they're still talking because I'm like, but li- like listen like what like like it's just it feels very like all consuming 
Um, so I have very strong like emotional responses to music. I've also I've been walking down the street crying just because I'm listening to a not because I'm particularly unhappy, but because I'm listening to a song that I've heard 50 million times before. And I will just literally like start crying, but kind of like kind of happy tears. I don't know, kind of I'm enjoying the crying. But people have seen me and they're just like, oh, my God, like, are you are you OK? I saw you like weeping in the street. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was just listening to the Amen Corner. Like, it's all good. <laughs> Do you, are you, can you play music? Are you musical? No, I never learned any instruments. And when I was younger, I had like really, really terrible concentration. I mean, I still have issues with concentration. I just have found like mechanisms to address them. Um, so I never could concentrate enough to learn, to learn an instrument. But I've always, um, I've always loved music. I bought a guitar in America last year and um, taught myself, like a seventeen-year-old boy, um, taught myself like all the chords to like Hey Joe. I'm obsessed <laughs> with Jimi Hendrix. So like Jimi Hendrix is like first single. Totally like a seventeen-year-old boy in the nineties. Um, learned all the chords to like Hey Joe and was like over the moon. And then like haven't picked it up since. So I've probably like forgotten them all again. I know all these things as a kid. You just like, oh, wish. Wish I'd learned a language, wish I'd learned to play music. They both would have been absolute gifts. But it seems a bit annoying that in order to be good at music, you do really, really have to practice, don't you? It's not unless you're really gifted. And, yeah, I haven't got the patience. Yeah. But it, well, <laughs> maybe it's all to come. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You've got one song Spring under your belt. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going back to that joy being compromised. I think we you touched on it um, briefly before, but for me, the thing that most compromises uh, joy for me is is having too much on. I think I don't know if you relate to that. I feel like the way my brain works, like I I, I do lots of different things like simultaneously. So I'm always okay, but still within that, there can be points where there is just too much going on. Um, so yeah, that definitely like you know, kind of like you know can make me feel like burnt out and fatigued and then um yeah like not great so that is definitely a thing but then I also just feel I mean like I said I feel like I'm fundamentally um I'm fundamentally optimistic as a person but I feel really angry about like the state of the world and I feel really angry that like a small group of like quite frankly like pathological seeming crooks call the shots and make the decisions mm -hmm. on everything that has like such a profound impact not on us but just like on actually like the very future of the world itself and I was just listening to something I can't remember what it, what it was but it was about like it was the other day and it was just about like environmental um about like global warming and I mean I, something I like think about like a lot but it just really hit me and I was just like like these people who make the decisions that are creating these conditions and that are damaging the world in this way I'm just like like how dare you like you don't own the world like you don't mm -hmm. you don't you don't own this. It's not yours to like destroy. Um, and I just felt like, like such intense anger. Also, I'm not somebody that like, I used, I used to feel a lot of anger about like social issues and the state of the world. And then I really like moved through that to like, you know, a very different, because I feel like anger isn't like a space that you can um permanently inhabit you know it's not it's anger is not sustainable emotion and if it if 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 you were kind of just locked in that in that in that space you can't think clearly it eats away at you it's not actually like a generative emotion i think it can be a generative emotion as a first step mm -hmm. to like um as a first step as something that inspires you to go further but you can't remain kind of locked in it so that kind of quite angry response that I felt is something that I don't necessarily feel that often anymore but yeah I just felt this like absolute so this is kind of I think maybe the opposite of what you were asking about no 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 it's interesting I was like, I rage instead um but uh yeah I was I was I was taken aback by just yeah how angry I felt at the audacity 
of, you know, continuing like with fossil fuels, like just continuing to make these decisions that are kind of very short termist that will um, personally enrich the, the people making the decisions or their cronies and um, literally like just destroying the earth in the process. And I'm just like, how are you, how are you in charge? It's just not yours to do this with. Yeah, yeah it's so um, interesting because, well, I'm interested to know, you, you said you moved through the anger. Did you consciously move through the anger or do you feel like when you say it's something that you can't stay in, it's because we inherently do process things and move to the other side? Yeah, I processed it and moved to the other side. And I was also like aware that like, it wasn't, um, I processed it and I also intent, so I had to like go through it and process it, but I was also like intentional and aware. So even now often when I have like, um, no, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it was like mostly processing it, but it was also um, maybe aspects of it were like intentional. Like I I, I assisted that process, mm. perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, because it's it's quite hard to sit in a in a state of constant anger, and it, this is what's often difficult. You can find yourself tuned into like global social issues and feel all these feelings towards wanting to make a change and then on the other hand you still got to parent or do whatever do your life here and although they are inherently mm-hmm. connected you can't you've got to find a way to put your emotions in the right place at the right time because for sure you, I, you know I can't present the rage that I feel for the world to my kids but it would be easy to mm-hmm. when it when you be, when you begin to I'm preoccupied with something but you're so right you some once in a while more than once in a while you you listen to or read something and just it's so difficult to feel in the middle of something that we have no control over over and yeah how did they become the people that were in control and yeah what's the point in doing all this joyful practice when the big picture is really (laughs) bleak but I think okay so I actually think like like our lives are like so like so sacred and um so many people's lives are seen as like just like utterly disposable and dispensable and we live in a society and a cultural time that really just tries to extract like all that it can from you and has thing have things set up so that there's just like responsibilities unnecessary responsibilities bureaucracy extraction and exploitation and oppression to varying degrees to various people but i think like for most ordinary people like their life opportunities are actually diminished in many ways by the system that we live in so and that is part of like a bigger kind of like geopolitical like order so I think because there is that assault on us um being able to being able to be happy to find time for happiness for relaxation for joy for rest because like we are so like like rest is all rest is like fucking like subversive do you know what I mean there's just Mm -hmm. no time or space for like full kind of deep rest. So I think restfulness and 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 and, and joyfulness are um uh actually um an acknowledgement of the of the, the the sacredness of of each person's life um even if we live in a system that kind of works to <laughs> crush that. I think you're really right. Earlier I said, oh, I get this really weird sense, not with cold water swimming, because as we've acknowledged, I don't manage to do that. But there are moments <laughs> in, in nature, particularly when I, I get this real feeling of like human existence and your place in it. I think it's because whenever you're in a, in a place of scale, you can really feel that. And a lot of what we've touched on are things that come for free, you know, the swimming, the getting outside, the stopping and and that that is a, a huge act of rebellion these days, isn't it? To 
to claim something that no one can take away from you and that you didn't have to spend any money to get. Yeah, I'm always like, I go outside and I'm often like, I can't believe I can just do this. I can't believe it hasn't been privatized in some way. Look at me just like breathing the air for free. Like, (laughs) just me on my own. But it's so true. And we (laughs) joked, but in in the pandemic, we did know what it was like, you know, and look, it's a hugely privileged position all of what we're talking about but when when you're only allowed outside for an hour you know that being outside is 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 a joyful luxury and 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 something that yeah you don't take for granted but it's so true and when when all the world is crumbling around you you do just have to sometimes ladder into the really purest bits of of joy I suppose yeah yeah so I think I I yeah I don't think it's like disconnected from kind of broader um political debates even yeah no no I don't and I, I yeah and also we all need to you, you touched on earlier but meditating is of, often also about trying to and all these things are about trying to find a clear mind I think and if it can often feel overwhelming to have a lot of things coming at you not all that can be trusted and, and unless you can stop and think for yourself then you you can't kind of make step forward Completely. I think like people, like your critical faculties, your imagination, your potential for creativity, like all of these things are stunted by like not actually being able to like rest and to be in like, like certain, like um, to be in certain mental states. And I think like meditation can help us to um, kind of have that rest or get into those, um, get into those states of consciousness or being that um really have like a profound impact mm. on how we are in the world and how we're able to be in the world and how we're able to actually like experience joy or not yeah i think that is a really actually important point to um to kind of end on really because sometimes I, taking these moments for me who's a person who can become preoccupied with productivity and trying to yeah, maximize things. It, it's something that might feel like a luxury to take this time, but it, it, on a small term, it makes me show up better for the people. You know, I'm thinking of my kids, and hopefully, on a bigger picture, it makes me be able to be a bit more valuable as a person. Mm-hmm. And also, like to just enjoy better or more deeply experience, like this one. I mean, I don't know how many times we live, but in terms of like this, like specific embodied experience mm. that we're having as Emma and Clemmy, um, you know, it's just important that like, it's it's actually like, this sounds so cheesy, but it's like so precious. Do you know what I mean? And mm. it's treated as though it's not. So anything that can just help you like reconnect with like, I think like actually how precious life is like it's not just what's the thing and not just oh, I can't remember the, I've forgotten the saying um but like yeah I think just um so that we can really actually like enjoy like our lives <laughs> you know what a radical thing <laughs> what a radical thing and it but it, yeah and it's not it's not it's not the loud enjoyment it, although that is fine it's like that those moments that you deeply feel in yourself whether that be in in music and meditation in reading in being with people I think yeah that is that that is what living is ultimately about so it yeah it it, right. it, it always feels kind of um yeah a bit it, you're like oh joy that's not as as um meaty as subjects as others but actually it is really 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 important so although we talked about important. yeah and pink might be pink is important because it's part of it but it, it was all kind of light-hearted <laughs> but there's something quite serious in the middle of this I think yeah I think color like I think color and aesthetics and design like I mean they have like a big they have an impact on how one feels and on one's emotional state um so I think color has like a huge impact you know um on 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 your emotional state it's it's really important like I think there's so many things that are just dismissed as like really superficial or frivolous um, and shallow and they're 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 not at all and the things that tend to be you know held in high 
esteem or afforded a lot of value because obviously we live in a world of like rapacious neoliberal capitalism um so things that are afforded value are ones that can be monetized you know not necessarily like emotional states that are experienced just by looking at pink you know (laughs) whatever no it's true it's true well, thank you for a very varied conversation. I love things like this. You never know who, you know. And also, I usually record earlier in the day, so to record in the evening, you kind of get into a different vibe, don't you? I've got two questions yeah, to end. into gloom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get outside in a minute, though, because I haven't been outside today. Um, two questions. Where can people find you? And is there anything specific you want to shout about? Um. So, yeah, they can just find me on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram with my name, Emma Dabry, uh, or they can read my books. Um, uh, I'm working on my third book at the moment, although it's not announced yet, but it will be imminently. And yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Are you in, are you in, are you actually writing it at the moment? actually writing it it's um it's it's a yeah 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 Yeah, i'm writing it pardon me you don't know where quite what what to say yet or what not to say but yeah i'm like uh let me just say i'm writing it um (laughs) it'll be out but it's it'll be out this year and then i'm also um i've written a play which um is uh gonna open in like i said i'm from dublin it's gonna open in dublin first uh in october and then it will be um, opening in London at the Soho Theatre in January of next year. So that should be fun because I've written it and it's like a one-woman play, but I've never written a play and I've never performed before. So um, we shall see. <laughs> is you're gonna is you gonna be performing it? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I mean, why not? Hey, it might be a thing. Yeah. Like if I if I think about it, as the time kind of more quickly, not more quickly, but as the time approaches, I'm like shit. Um, but I have a lot of time between now and then. I'm sure I'll like, yeah, I'll get it together. I'll be going back to Dublin to do some like um like a crash course in kind of like performance theatre studies. So by the time I hit the stage, I'll be yeah, I'll be well able. I hope. Also, it's it's yeah. also it's good to push yourself, isn't it? If like this is where the, totally. this is where you felt like you wanted to go, it could be it could be your calling. And yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's exciting. It's it's good to have those things at, at, um, on the horizon that make you a little bit nervous. I think. Yeah, for sure. And then my last question is always: if you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be, and what would you say? Oh my god! Um, plastic. Oh no, 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 no! It's really easy, actually. What am I talking about? Jimi Hendrix. Um, <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, and I would just like to talk about like the like the nature of like like space and time and like transmigration of the soul and shit like that. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> maybe get him to uh, give you a guitar lesson while he's there. No, I, I would. I don't want to. I don't want a guitar lesson from Jimi Hendrix. I just, I just, I just want to speak to him about like, I feel like philosophy and like ancestral, ancestral resonances. I think that's what we would talk about. Yeah. There you go. That's a cool answer. Ah, oh, though that was a lovely conversation. It was um, so lovely and varied. And as I said, I felt like it's quite frivolous a just to talk about the color of my kitchen cabinets which isn't really that important but it is very much front of mind and also always just a shout out about pink but then again life is full of heavy stuff the world does often feel you know very challenging out there so why can't we go back and talk about our favorite colors and remember the things that make our hearts sing and yeah on my 41st birthday things that make me heart, my heart sing are very different to what I would have thought they would have been at 30 or, or 20. They're very simple things, often free, often quite quiet. I'm very happy that way. Thank you so much to Emma for joining me and thank you for being here for another episode of But Why. This one is made in partnership with the Power Festival. That's the Power of Women Festival, which is an arts organisation down here in Thanet. Check out the full lineup at powerthanet.com, which runs throughout March. And happy International Women's Day to everyone. I am now off 
to go and I was going to do a sunset walk, but I've looked out the window and it's dark, so it won't be a sunset walk, but I'm going to go and try and get a bit of fresh air. Wishing you a lovely time and catch you next time. Bye-bye.